The Growing Destinations podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Learn more about Minnesota's third largest city, which is home to Mayo Clinic and features wonderful recreational and entertainment opportunities by visiting experiencerochestermn.com. There is a lot of risk doing something on this scale, both financially and otherwise. Like It's it's a huge event and it's a lot of undertaking, but you need buy-in from a lot of people to make this work. So we had six venues that let us kind of take over their spaces for the day and Honestly, we got we got so much support from a bunch of incredible sponsors that were all local small businesses here in Rochester. So between our venues and our sponsors, that was a huge vote of confidence in what we were doing. Welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast, where we take a deep dive into destination development and focus on a wide range of topics from tourism and entertainment to economic development and entrepreneurism and much more. I'm your host, Bill Von Bank. In Rochester, Minnesota, Nick Novotny is a force in the music scene. He grew up playing different instruments and was influenced by live music and festivals. Today, he's the drummer in the Clay Fulton and the Lost 40 band. He's a partner in a music promotion business called My Town, My Music. And he's the founder of the Rochester Thaw Music Festival, a community-building event bringing a higher level of music impact to Rochester. Nick Novotny, welcome to the Growing Destinations podcast. Thanks for having me, Bill. Nick, you're bringing a great deal of energy to the music scene in Rochester, Minnesota. We're going to take a deep dive into that topic in a moment. First, share with us a bit about yourself. So I've I've been in Rochester since 2016. Um, I moved up here from Winona to get a job at the clinic. Like, Winona, Minnesota. Yes, yeah. And I, I looked to get a job here at Mayo Clinic, like a lot of people do in town. And that lasted a little bit, not very long. But since then, um, I started working in craft beer here. And between working in that industry and then having music kind of continue to play a role in my life in a big kind of way, whether that's performing or otherwise, it's kept me here and kept me busy. Do you have a degree in music? I do. I, I got a music technology and business degree from St. Mary's down in Winona, Minnesota. What sparked your interest in music? It was it was always a part of my life to some extent from from a young age. I, I had access to instruments, um, and so I was taught how to play violin in second grade, and then picked up saxophone in fifth grade, and then somewhere in the mix of that, figured out how to play drums, and then I did sports for a while, and I tried that, and it came a point where music was just the thing that I felt stronger about, and and had more of energy for, and then it's always, it's just always been a thing from a playing side and love going to see shows. And that was something growing up that was always around of figuring out and encouraging going to see live music and kind of the experiences that that can bring you from a young age all the way through to adulthood and all that. So it's always kind of been around. Did you start to play in bands? Yes, I, I, I had the high school band. And we did that in high school. Um, and then when I went to college at, at St. Mary's and, and in Winona, there's a huge music community that was very active, obviously, uh, through, I mean, you have stuff like Midwest Music Fest and the Minnesota Beethoven Festival and you have venues like Ed's and places like that where it was such a vibrant music scene. And in college, I um, joined a band called The Weathered Heads and it was kind of like a pop jam rock band. And I was playing drums for them while I was in school. 
we did a ton of touring around the Midwest and played a lot of festivals around and from kind of Minnesota ones to ones out in Wisconsin and made our way down to Illinois and South Dakota and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a really good environment to figure out what I really enjoyed in music, whether that be running sound as a sound guy or the playing of it or just attending a lot of live music. So it all kind of really flourished into something in, in Winona when I was down there. Currently, you play in a band, Clay Fulton in the last 40. Tell us more about the band. Yeah, we're a roots rock group, all based out of here. In Rochester. Yes. We kind of got together in 2021, I believe. Clay had written a record, um, and he needed to put together a live band. And I was playing with uh, the band Loudmouth Brass at the time, and he came out and saw one of our shows. And he talked to me afterwards. He's like, hey, do you want to play in my live band? And um, I was like, uh, he showed me some of the tracks. And I was like, this is pretty country. Like, I don't, <laughs> you saw what I just did. Um, I don't really do country that well. He's like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be great. So that's where I had met met the rest of the group. And they're all insanely good musicians. And so we, we kind of took all the stuff that Clay had written for this album and ran with it. And now we've been playing ever since. And our second album came out this past April which is cool. It's one that we all had a lot more kind of creative input on. So it's a little bit of a departure from what his first album was, but it's definitely, we've kind of honed in on what we sound like at this point. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And you're a drummer? Yes. And I do sing occasionally, but not often. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you regional? Do you play all over the country? What, what's the scope? Right now, it's pretty like Minnesota and regionally focused. Obviously, there's been a few departures from that but generally it's a lot of stuff around the state here and we're just trying to look into as we as we kind of keep playing and keep kind of growing as a band and figure out ways to kind of step outside of where we've been playing and figure out ways to break into new markets when we can from a music perspective you touch many facets of it including you are co-owner of my town my music share with us more about that venture. Yeah. My Town, My Music is a um, company here in Rochester um, that started, I think it was back in 2017 by, uh, and it was a couple, Dustin and Becky Hart, and then uh, the friend Johnny Yukis. They started it, and the entire focus was supporting and growing the Rochester music scene. And that would be through promoting the bands that are from here, kind of giving them a platform, whether that be online or physically in person with shows. And then just kind of, that's always been the the kind of rock that, that my town has been focused on is supporting Rochester's music scene. So every my town show you ever see, there's always a Rochester band on that bill because it's always trying to figure out ways to kind of support and, and showcase the talent that is based here, here in town. Grow it. Yeah. Are there other aspects of my town, my music specific to the organization? Yeah. So we have a, a few different things that we do. The biggest one that I think is the most like public facing that people would probably see more often is is the promotion of shows. So we will we'll rent the venue and we'll find the artist and we will build a bill around them and then we'll throw bigger shows. And our kind of target for those are generally like your more regionally or nationally touring bands. So something of like a four to six hundred cap room kind of audience that we're looking for. That's where we've been more consistently anyway. As as the landscape in town has changed, 
over the last few years, it's figuring out ways to activate different size rooms and different size audiences. So that would be doing more local focused shows, smaller venues um, up through what now has become the Rochester Thaw Music Festival. That is that is our biggest endeavor as a company since since it formed was this music festival that happened a couple weeks back now. <laughs> We're going to talk more about that in just a bit. Specific to My Town, My Music, and you also have a ticketing platform, correct? Yeah. So we run we run our own ticketing platform, which kind of came out of necessity, I think is how my understanding is when they, when they built it, was they were planning to do these big shows and they knew how to build one. And so um, keeping that in-house is something that we can use as, as a company for ourselves, but also... We've worked with other promoters that are putting on shows to kind of make that experience easy for them. And we also have a subscription, kind of like a membership for My Time, My Music, and it gets you kind of a bunch of updates on what is happening in town. It gets you deals on shows when we're throwing them. And it's a really good way to kind of tap in to our ears on the ground of what's happening in town in terms of live music and, and the music community as a whole. And so that was something that when they started it, it not only like helps keep the company afloat and kind of helps mm-hmm. keep our expenses covered and things like that. But it also is a good way for the community to get involved in the shows we're playing. So when we are starting a year, we'll reach out to our members and we'll say, who do you want to see in town? And we'll have a list that we'll throw at it. Yep. And so we'll be able to go directly to our audience and have them have input in who we're bringing into town. So it's a really good way to kind of build that connection to music fans who might not either know how to throw a big show with Dessa or somebody like that. And it, it's a good way to also get instant feedback from the people that we want to have come to shows and get tickets for them so we can kind of play directly to to that subscription base and that member base that we have. You are the founder of Rochester Thaw Music Festival. Uh, first festivals uh, took place in 2019. Why did you start the festival? I kind of had a few experiences growing up of of attending music festivals. Like we had, as a family, we'd go to Summerfest in Milwaukee all the time. And when I moved to Winona for school, obviously Midwest Music Fest is down there. And seeing that kind of event and what like what it can do for a community, it's it is it is it electrifies an area when something like that happens because the way it's built is it takes. In our case, it takes downtown Rochester and turns a bunch of places you might go on a normal basis into music venues for the day that might not normally be that way. And so you'll be walking down the main drag in your town, and it's you hear music everywhere. You see a hustle and bustle of people running between shows and trying to figure out where they're going next and if they're going to jump in with you or if they're going to keep on their own plan kind of thing. And it really kind of just gets the whole community involved in festival experience that's very unique to this form of it. Um, obviously, you can go to a giant field and there's two stages and you can walk back and forth in the sea of people. This really gets a community more involved in it. So every experience at the festival is unique to the person who's attending based on who they want to go see because it's completely up to the attendee where they want to go, but also lets each of those individual venues kind of get a new audience and a new kind of set of eyes on it that might not have normally gone into them. Why did you pick the time of year you did? Obviously, the the name is so appropriate to to the end of winter. Uh, but so many festivals are spring, summer, maybe even fall. 
the name came second. <laughs> but <laughs> what the idea was when trying to decide to do something like this is you have to look at your landscape in your area and figure out where there's gaps. So in our instance in Southeast Minnesota, the two big ones that were on my radar were Midwest Music Fest and Big Turn Music Festival. Um, Where's that? Big Turn is in Red Wing, Minnesota. And obviously Midwest is down in Winona. And Big Turn's always in February. That's just where Sam landed it. And, And shout out to Sam Brown, who started both Midwest and Big Turn. That dude is a humongous inspiration for all of this. And the work that he's done already in this state is second to none for the music community. So um, when it came to trying to do something myself, it was figure out where there's that gap. And I was thinking as an attendee and as somebody who gets hit with winter and the the kind of dregs of winter after mm-hmm. New Year's is done and the holidays are done, by the time you get to March, you are itching to do anything. And so the idea was let's give them something to look forward to in March. Big turn happens in February. People's memories are short when the winter is really long and brutal. So having that be about a month before, it's a good gap before we would happen. And then typically Midwest had been at the end of April. So there was a nice little in-between shot there that was kind of where I decided to place it. And plus, there isn't as many people willing to do things in March from like an event standpoint because generally it's kind of mucky, could be kind of gross weather-wise. But it's still there's still an audience that still wants to go out and do things in March before like the summer kicks off. And honestly, there's a lot of competition in summer. So trying to avoid that when you're building something from the ground up, trying to put it in a place where it has the best kind of headroom for success at that point. And there wasn't a lot of competition for March in the kind of bigger music sphere in our kind of neck of the woods down here. You uh, debuted Thaw in 2019. Great fanfare, great success. And then COVID disrupted future planning for a few years. Didn't end it, thankfully. No. (laughs) And you just wrapped a successful and sold out Thaw your second year, although it probably would have been five years in. Yeah, a little bit. Give us a rundown on what it really takes to put on a multi-venue music festival and sustain it. I think the biggest thing is community support. There is a lot of risk doing something on this scale, both financially and otherwise. Like It's, it's a huge event and it's a lot of undertaking, but you need buy-in from a lot of people to make this work. So we had six venues that let us kind of take over their spaces for the day and Honestly, we got we got so much support from a bunch of incredible sponsors that were all local small businesses here in Rochester. So between our venues and our sponsors, that was a huge vote of confidence in what we were doing just because it's again, it's a big risk. And so we were trying to figure out how we could do this. It needs to be sustainable if you're going to try and make it a continual annual event. Without that community support, that was probably the biggest bedrock of this year is between the venues and our sponsors. And then what ended up being a humongous crew of people that wanted to come out and support this event. That was having to sit there and be able to say it was sold out the day before the event actually happened was incredible. Um, we we were like overwhelmed <laughs> sitting in the Chateau lobby waiting and we were just watching the tickets roll in and we we're like, okay, people are people are into this and people are going to be coming out here tomorrow. So that, that community buy-in 
across the board was huge and it was such an important part of it, of what made it really successful but also it's it's a good vote of confidence for us to do it again and make it better and grow and see where we can take it from here the second year or, or this past year of thaw that was the first time you did multi-venue because the first year and 2019 was at a single venue yeah so the first year in 2019 was at the at that point freshly opened castle community building um and it was a single stage and it was seven bands and then we had an after party at at blue duck so that was it and it was just, just one day the second year that we had planned for was gonna be two stages within that building back and forth um and that was i think 15 bands is where that one landed but then, yeah, we got the shutdown order eight days before the fest was supposed to happen. And so, obviously, that year didn't happen. <laughs> um, but after a few years off and then the festival becoming a part of My Town, My Music, we were talking about when we can bring this back and then how we wanted to bring it back. And the momentum that is in the music community right now in town kind of pointed us in the direction of we can go bigger and I think eventually when I had started it, the goal was to get it to this point once it made sense to grow it that much. But we were talking about it and was like, can we bring it back and do we want to go for it? Do we want to try this this format? Because I, I love this format of festival. And so being able to, with the help that uh, and the resources that my town has that I didn't have before, we were able to kind of look at it and say, yeah, I think everything... Everything looks like this should work. Now let's figure out how to do it. Because, yeah, like I said, this is uh, like one of the bigger endeavors for my town as a company. And then personally, I worked with Midwest before, but it wasn't on this huge of a scale where you are calling shots and telling people where to go and what to do. And you've got this group of people that you're all working together to make this huge event. So it, it definitely... Was Some risk un- taking. It was, it was a risk and it was an undertaking, but I mean, walking around on Saturday and the entirety of downtown has full of people just running around seeing a bunch of awesome live music that makes the six to eight months that it took to figure this thing out worth it. Where did people come from? Were they were they local and, and within the region or from the Twin Cities or all over? Everywhere. Really? Um, yeah, we have, we have some metrics on locations and we had people from... Like outside Chicago come up, a bunch from Wisconsin, ton of local support, which was awesome. Seeing some familiar names from Rochester and some not so familiar names. But yeah, then we had people from Winona and Red Wing and Mankato and Twin Cities. And I think we had somebody from Duluth or a few people from up there. So it was nuts. It was kind of from all over the place. But the way we had built the lineup was intentional to showcase Rochester bands, but also have a strong contingent that wasn't from here. So from from our end, we had one one third of the bands were from Rochester because there's some incredible bands that are playing around in town right now. So we wanted to make sure that there is, and, and for what my town's always been built on is supporting Rochester bands. So we wanted to make sure we had a good contingent of that. But then from a marketing side of this, you need to have out of town bands so that way, those crowds that like those bands from other cities see that they're playing this and then are going to potentially come into town for the for the fest. What was the feedback? It was it was really, really good so far. Um, we've sent out a bunch of stuff to people that attended and sent it out to the bands. What we've gotten so far was like that it was a well-executed, very smooth running event, which we're, we're very proud of that because it takes a lot of work to put something like this on and 
we spent like over six months making sure we had every I dotted, every T crossed um, to try and make sure that from the production staff to the bands, to the attendees, to our venues, it's like, how do we make this as seamless and smooth of a process for everybody that's involved in, in one shot? And so the feedback's been really good and um, obviously selling it out and having people's phones ringing off the hook for people trying to find tickets while we wish we could fit everybody, um, it's also reassuring that there's still demand for that event and what that event brought to downtown. Um, so that's giving us a good vote of confidence moving forward. Put Rochester on the map a little bit, I bet. Trying to <laughs> in, in in some ways that we can. But our, yeah, our biggest thing was just like, let's let's showcase the community here and showcase the music scene that's here and the fans that are here and get people to take a take a look at Rochester and be like there's a huge crew of music people that are in this city and vacancy you can't can't ignore them anymore. <laughs> Speaking of music festivals and this is a big one and it's a music festival plus is South by Southwest in Austin, Texas and as a member of Clay Fulton in the last 40 you recently performed there. Did you get invited to go or how does that work? So we put out um, our second album, Positive Numbers, back in April. And we worked with a promotions company out of the cities. They're called Tinderbox Music. They had two venues that they bought out on 6th Street in Austin. um, And they filled it with their bands that they worked with. They were hyped about. And so we got an email from our guy at Tinderbox. And that was that was kind of it. It was mainly at that point trying to figure out how we get down there, how do we get all the gear down there, and then pulling the trigger when the time came and we all piled in a van and hauled down to Texas. <laughs> how was that experience? It was awesome. It was the overnight driving is not the most fun thing in the world, <laughs> but it was it was the furthest we've traveled for lost 40 before because obviously like i said we've been playing a lot of like regional stuff around here but yeah there's nothing quite like piling into a van and driving for 17 hours overnight and then you play three shows in three days to completely different crowds of people and it's it's kind of nuts the energy in that city during this festival is insane (laughs) do you did you take some notes for and think about how you can maybe bring some of that back to thaw it's like every time I go to a show, there's always like a little bit of my brain that is like taking notes of something of like, oh, did you see that little thing? That was really cool. Or, oh, that, oh I really didn't like how that worked. So let's try something different. It's it's a similar format. It is like the multi-venue thing. Um, and the crazy thing is with the scale of it, every 30 feet, there's another bar or restaurant or brewery or like place that has a stage inside, outside. There's just music everywhere all the time for like a week straight. So that part was Cool. That that that's that kind of electric feeling you get at this kind of festival where it's like, cool, we went into a barbecue place. There's a huge stage in there and there was bands playing there all day. You go next door, there's a bar, there's got bands all day for five days straight, and it's like everywhere you went, there was music and it was nuts. And so it's like crazy inside stages that were full production rigs to weird kind of outdoor, they probably safe stages kind of thing. <laughs> to like actual like amphitheaters built into the middle of a city that are standalone music venues and that's what they do and that is it it's it's a cool experience to just walk around and see all of the different venues and the different people and the different bands and why are music festivals or or just music in general important for communities i think one of the things that you kind of hear all the time is music is a universal language it is something that absolutely every person on the planet can get is is music you can 
meet somebody that does not speak the same language as you from a completely different country, potentially, and you can still both talk via music, whether that's a performing side or just listening and sharing in that moment. And I think that makes it such a community builder um, and, and such a cool thing to kind of bring people out of their shells, but in the name of something like music. So you go to a show, you're immediately in an experience with everybody else that's in that room. So in that part of it, it kind of it's kind of a nice connector for that whole group. You're going to have people you know, you're going to have people you don't know, but you can agree that that music is happening and that you're all enjoying that experience together. So I think having that be kind of the bloodline that kind of brings together people for events like this or any any show in that matter, it's it's just a nice unifying thing because it's something that everybody can understand, everyone can get into it. It's It's just kind of... I don't know. It's that universal language idea that I think is what kind of makes it work so well. <laughs> Nick Novotny, you're doing your part to build this community through your work in music. Congratulations on all your success and best wishes next year on the Thaw Music Festival. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for tuning in to the Growing Destinations podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by Experience Rochester. Find out more about Rochester, Minnesota and its growing arts and culture scene its international culinary flavors, and award-winning craft beer by visiting experiencerochestermn.com.